0: Begin. I'm gonna go get my coffee. <laughs> <laughs> and we run a tight ship here. <laughs> Your brother, Face, face,
1: face,
2: Good afternoon and welcome to the Hard Luck Show. I'm your certified, qualified Westside host, Steve Lucky Luciano. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, you've tuned into the greatest show on earth. Hard Luck Show, coming at you from the Pico Youth Center in Santa Monica, California. Sitting next to me, my partner, my co host, is
0: Chumahan Bone, American Indian, Elegant Barbarian, Southern California. Here to bring you more discussions about the shoe once again. Yes, indeed. And um, well, also okay, we should say the uh, audio samurai,
2: our sound right. engineer, Sean. Oh, Mr. Blue Eyes himself, certified audio professional engineer for the Hard Rock Show, could be
0: related to Frank Sinatra, but we can't. You never say know. That. We
2: can't say that. Yeah, we can't actually. Also,
0: say that. we have the greatest showrunner on earth. It's Schwartz.
2: How are you doing, Schwartz? I'm doing fantastic this morning. Happy to be here. Thank this you. is great, Chumahan. Right. Getting to dig into this series on Could confinement, it? but you know, we are we are talking, we are doing a diet a deep dive. Right. Uh,
0: so, grand uh, producer Danny Murillo, this is another installment uh, on his program working with California families to abolish solitary confinement, funded by Unlock the Box and, of course, the prestigious Hard Luck Show. Yes, uh, he has set aside some uh, excellent guests to speak on some topics, and today we're going to talk a little bit about solitary confinement and the impact on mental health. And with us right now... We have Mr. Stephen Sifra, right? Yep. M.S.W. Yeah. What does that mean?
3: Masters in social work.
0: Masters in social work. And with uh, Stephen is a surprise guest. We 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 didn't know. You brought yeah. with uh, with you who?
3: Uh my sister Joy. Yeah. Sister Joy Sister Joy. Yeah. Look at that, hey, look at
0: She's that smile on full Sister. Full of joy. <laughs>
2: she brought lots of joy in Look there at that place.
0: smile. Yeah, sister Joy, do you want to <laughs> say hello to Mr. and Mrs. Earbuds? Yeah.
2: Hello. Huh? hello. Nah, what a nice voice. It is a pleasure to have you on. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Really nice to have both of you here. So, Stephen, why don't you why don't we just start with the brass
0: tacks? Um, what is your experience with solitary confinement?
3: Okay, so like officially, I um, eight years right. solitary. Um, uh,
2: excuse me, you spent eight years in solitary confinement yourself. Yeah, yeah. Okay. and
0: in which institution
3: in Corcoran Pelican Bay?
0: Wow. All right, and so eight years in solitary confinement. What was the first day like?
2: Well, can we get a can we get an accurate time window of what years this was in? Uh, so 19, uh, let's see, I was
3: 18 in 1990, um, w- I was born in 74, so when was 18? I don't do, I don't oh, do memories uh, and in timelines. 92. 92. 92. 92, so 92, uh, so 94 to 97.
0: What were you charged with? With, uh, battery. Okay, and so then, yeah, but battery, so let's say... You you mean
3: to go to the shoe or to go to prison? Go to prison. So originally it was a carjacking as a juvenile, and they sent me to YA, and then when I was in YA, I got a battery on a peace officer, shipped me over to prison. Um, I was in solitary in YA, I was trying to get out of there, and so what happened was um, this cat was in YA, he caught a new beef, went to Pelican went to prison from YA, did his whole term, and then um he finished his prison term and they brought him back to YA from Pelican Bay. What? Yeah. And so Oh this guy Chino and so he he's told us all about prison and like As soon as we all learned about prison, we all started doing roll calls. We all started breaking down, doing workouts, rolling up our mattresses, leaving the cops alone.
0: So hold on a second. So this guy goes into big boy prison, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: comes back, and instead of like a scared straight thing where you guys realize, well, I don't want to go there, instead it was attractive to you guys.
3: Oh, no, we lost it. We were all trying to get there. Why?
0: What what makes it attractive to a young guy at that time?
3: Well, I I had a 10-year sentence, so I wasn't going to get out until I was 25. And so, because I wouldn't do the program, they they're like, "Well, you're gonna do all your time if you don't do the the little drug program they had." Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, "I I can't program for more than three or four days. I can't do a year of program. That's just that's un, that's just unreasonable, you know." So uh, I knew I was gonna. They told me like, "You're never getting out of here till you're 25. You're never getting out of the." the whole
0: what does that do mentally for a young man when he's already consigned himself like look i'm never getting out of this place what what kind of things emotionally and mentally occur for a young man well
3: i liked it until the very end you did yeah i liked i liked incarceration until i got to new Folsom and new Folsom made a believer out of me i was like oh this is this is a whole different this isn't fun prison anymore this okay is- hold on and were you did you go up there when they were opening it no, I got, when I got out of the shoe, they sent me to, to New Folsom to finish up my last two years.
0: All right, wait, wait, let's break this up real quick. Okay, <laughs> so the first part, you loved it. What was it that you loved about the prison experience before New Folsom? What, what did you love about it?
3: Well, I mean, like when I got to Juvenile Hall, it it was, it was, hor- it was horrible you know it was like juvenile hall is solitary confinement like people don't understand like if there's a child somewhere locked up in california they're probably in their little cell all the time by themselves unless they're in a day room or something some equally uncomfortable but you know but mostly like if you have a cell you're all by yourself all the time kind of thing so that was horrible and so then when i got to got to ya they're like you know do you want do you want to buy a radio do you want to buy some you want to buy some candy and some chips and stuff? And I was like, oh, yeah, food, camaraderie, clean clothes, regiment, like caring adults who only, like, beat me and maced me. Like, when I got out of line, they didn't do it, like, indiscriminately, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was like this kind of like um, kind of like the father I never had kind of a thing, you know? Interesting. Um, mm-hmm. I, now, looking back, that's how I kind of, like, why would I like that? All your needs were met? Yeah, almost, almost. Um, Which ones weren't met? Uh, unconditional positive regard, you know, so I had to, I had to um, do a lot of performing to get the positive regard of the people around me, both the, both the other wards and the, um, Yeah. you know, why it's really weird because it's like, you know, you got. You know you got the regs and you got the levas and the and the knacks and stuff and so like once you get dropped you know it's like there's a rap on you bro. like you're not you're like a pariah can you define that reg knack and levas? what are those so like if you know if you're you know somebody comes at you sideways and you don't really know how to handle yourself then you're just and these are children by the way and right. i'm talking about children right um so like unless you like, I was out in the streets like since I was nine years old. So like by the time I got to why I was fourteen, like I had already you know known like oh yeah like if somebody looks at you sideways, just take flight, you know. But right. that um that that's all the communication that so um a lot of people don't have that you know like a lot of a lot of the kids that end up there, you know they this depends on the the jurisdiction they're in. So they might be in some rural community breaking into a car or something. They don't have any resources or facilities to, you know, to incarcerate these kids. So they'll just send them to YA, you know, and they don't know anything about, they're not getting schooled, you know, quote, unquote, schooled. So, um, so they're automatically just like socially awkward. Like how do I behave around cholos and crips and, you right. know. It's
0: kind of like old blue eyes. So let me ask you this. What is, so a reg is a what? You know, just like a stand-up guy. Somebody, okay.
3: you know, somebody who's okay. A, a knack, regular, is short for a regular.
0: I get it. A knack is a what? You know,
3: a dope, a lame, just somebody you can a just... A lame. Yeah.
0: Willy Lump Lump,
3: mm-hmm. if yeah, you will. Not, not even just, not even necessarily that. Just somebody that doesn't have all of the, you know, all of the the fundamentals of, you know, carrying yourself and, you know, when you're incarcerated. And then the leva is? Uh, that's the Mexican version of that. That's the Mexican version of, you know, you ain't no good.
0: All right. So yeah. I might be related to a couple of people that are NACs, I think. All right. So mm. now. Yeah, I think we all are. <laughs> <laughs> so <clears throat> then at some point, how old were you when you first went into um, the shoe?
3: Uh, I was like 20,
0: 20 years old, I think. Okay. And describe the cell they gave you or they stuck you in.
3: Well, the the Corcoran the Corcoran shoe is really weird because like the you walk in to the cell and it's like there's this little hallway between the two bunks. It's really just concrete slabs right side by side, which is really an uncomfortable way to live with somebody. Like I had a cellmate for a long while right, and um, so like you're like both like right here in your bunks are like about.
0: I'd say about 18 inches apart. Right. So you both would be laying down on a slab of concrete 18 inches apart with another grown man stuck in a cell. Yeah. Yeah.
3: And because it's the shoe, like, 98% of people in there don't have cellmates. So if somebody is allowed to have a cellmate, your ass is going to be living with them for the duration, you know? Wow. Yeah. So, like, they could just be anybody.
0: And it's another grown man. Yeah.
3: You know, like, my, my cellmate, one of them, he had... um. He, had, uh, he was doing interferon. He had really bad hepatitis. And Man. he had, like, the worst internal, you know, reaction to that. I whole. feel like
0: you're you're leading yeah. up to that. He had bad gas. Yeah, he
3: had gas and a lot of vomiting and stuff. <sighs> and then he Ooh. wasn't even, like, pleasant to, like, talk to. Right. <sighs> so it was just like this, you know. I just tell people, like, you know, because, like, you might get married. You might have a, you know, girlfriend or something. You get sick of them.
0: I'm like, <laughs> That's nothing. You don't know what you're talking about. That's nothing. I could be married (laughs) to 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 a blind insurance agent and be happy because I was in Corcoran Uh next to a guy with bad gas. Mm
2: -hmm. You went to to Corcoran shoe. Did that? How long of a shoe term were you given when you were handed over that?
3: mm, Two years initially,
2: but like I'm, I'm, I, I always go in,
3: and then as soon as I get my little one or two year thing, then I just start making it worse as I go.
0: Big Lux, you were in the shoe Corcoran,
2: yeah. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And, and you- I hit a and I had to finish out a shoe term at another facility. And when they finally endorsed me over, I went to Corcoran. I went through the shoe and then they they actually before I I went from the shoe, they did something weird. They brought me to AdSeg and I went through Adseg before I was released to a yard. Um and they released me to a, I think it was C yard, which was like a level three yard. And I was there for about eight hours and they said, uh, my points were too high and ended up going over to B yard, which was like a shoe kick out yard. Cause I've seen dudes from the shoe, but yeah. And that was in, uh, okay, so was in 95. Okay. So were you, so
0: Steve, were you in a, a similar type self, at least for a minute yes, that, was. that Steve's talk, uh, the other Steve's talking about, <laughs> which is, um, did you have a celly too on that uh, once cement slab?
2: At one point I did, and one point I didn't. And did
0: you prefer alone or with a selli? Um,
2: I think you. are Let me just say that for the primary part of that shoe program, I was in a cell with a celly I did it with a selli, Netho from 18th Street. But that, and we got along, and it was dope. But the chances of that happening are very slim to none. Right. Like Steven's saying, it's just so random. There's a better chance that you end up with a fucked up situation than you do. Lucky. And uh, finally, when I got to AdSeg, they had me by myself for a few weeks. And I'd been in AdSeg before by myself for an extended amount of time. And I don't know. Maybe I don't like uh, a Sally... But I don't know. There was something about after the initial being alone by yourself for an amount of time. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. There was some. I, I actually liked doing doing the time alone by myself more than with somebody in the cell on the cement
0: slab. Because I've looked at photos, right? And I mean, it legit looks like it's just part of the wall. They they just made a little block out of that. What did they give you? To lay on to that's where you're supposed to sleep. What do you what is, what is your what what do they give you for your bedding materials?
3: You know, just your standard issue little, you know, two two and a half inch, you know, um, little roll up mat kind of a thing. And just is it, it how do they climate control that place? Is it cold in there? Uh, Corcoran, uh, well, Corcoran is um, it's heaters and swamp coolers. So, uh, yeah.
2: not air conditioning. Yeah. Swamp. swamp cool- cooler. Hey, yeah. so
0: Mr. and Mrs. Earbuds, if you don't know what a swamp cooler is, right? This is a
3: real. They're
2: fu- all swamp coolers too. There is no air conditioning. In
0: L- CDC. So, so swamp cooler. Except
2: in the offices.
0: Is like a giant fucking box. When they got a fan and they drizzle down some water over like a sponge material, and they just send in this water that's kind of cooled by the air, but along with it goes a whole bunch of fucking humidity, mm-hmm. right?
3: Yeah, if you're standing right in front of the little square then you get you'll you'll get the first part of the coolness but
2: <laughs> it's,
3: that's it. By the time it circulates it gets around to you it's well I mean when you're in it all day it doesn't it doesn't really you are not like oh I'm uncomfortable. Right,
2: you know? dude, people don't understand. Well, that. what is explain that. Well,
3: well for like at one point I was at um I was in Ironwood and it was between 115 and 130 degrees Ugh. for like 4 months straight. You know and you just you just walk out you're in a blast oven every time you leave the cell and it's just like that's where you live You know you just live in a blast oven, you know, so
0: if and from a mental standpoint What do you think happens to you like there's the first part of when you go into the shoe And then there's probably, I would think, just phases mentally in terms of emotion, thinking, whatever, that you go through as the time extends. Can you walk us through a little bit about what occurs to you first and then how you go through these cycles? Or what did you notice?
3: Well, yeah, when I first started being alone. uh, So my first day in juvenile hall, I got in a fight like immediately and they put me in the box at Eastlake Juvenile Hall. Uh Uh-huh. And that was, uh, you know, it's like. It's been painted so many times that there's yeah. like the vent does. It's just little teeny tiny little holes with like uh. greasy dirt stuck in it. And like the window is like covered in mesh and then ivy. So like you're just in this little paint box. And so like that was like uh, I was like, man, this is like this was like a Karachi prison or like. Right. Know, Vietnam. Like that. Yeah. it's it, it, was, it was like real prison. How long were you in that? Yeah, the first time was three days, and then, like, that became my little modus operandi, was just getting in a bunch of fist fights as many as I could, um, because um, I got a lot of, you know, I f- people like, oh, you're special because you're fucking unstable, you know? Right. Like, you'll fight for anything. And right. then, so that was kind of my little stick.
0: Hey, man, if you spend three days in that box, how do you take a shit or piss? No, no, they got, they got a toilet. Got they got a the, little
3: toilet in it. I'll tell you what though, like I think I had some kind of lact—what's uh, that? Lactose intolerance. Yeah. Because one time I didn't know this, but like they gave me they gave me milk, and then I was started farting a bunch, you know. <laughs> yeah. And there's no air moving in and out, and like <laughs> and no, so, man. like the dude opened I, the door, man. It was just like. <laughs> I had no, I had a, I didn't know. It was like, it was like being in there all the time, you know. And right,
0: you're like a fish swimming in water.
3: You don't yeah, know. Right. The yeah. guy
0: opens the door, and his eyes just started yeah, watering. I mean,
3: started gagging and retching and shit. And I was just like, <laughs> I was embarrassed, you know. I started blushing and stuff. But yeah, I didn't mess with the milk after that. But um, yeah, that box was uh, that box was tangy, man. That, that was that was real prison. That was my first experience. So when I went into that original situation i was a spirited happy unsupervised juvenile delinquent right you know i right. was running the streets of hollywood um just having a good time you know um and yeah man I, I, my mental health was great you know at the time well like i don't really know because like you know you're not supposed to really experience domestic violence you're not really supposed to experience like all that kind of stuff that's been going on in the background yeah
2: were you were um, you in Preston?
3: No, I was in um, in um, YTS and in uh, Paso and SRCC. The name Norwalk. Doug
2: White sound familiar? Doug White, Doug White, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. no. Okay.
0: So, but going back to that box though, right? And talking about sort of. At first, I was like a spirited, cut-up, wild guy getting into some fucking around out in the streets having a good time, right? Mm-hmm. Young person. Yep. Right? Kind of person you probably see in fucking the Warriors or some shit like that, right? Yep. Just fucking kicking ass, whatever. Right? Fucking hey, Maybe a little rough around the yeah, edges. The
2: Warriors?
0: Okay. All right. Well, you know, I don't know. I'm just fucking throwing shit out there. So then you, they put you in the box. The
2: Wanderers. The wander, All right. Stand
0: by. Mm. But you go into the, the box. The first day, like, did you go into that box like, oh, this... Shit, this ain't shit. I'm gonna do push ups. I'm gonna do handstand push up. What of did course, you? Yeah. How did you approach the box in the beginning?
3: <laughs> no, no, I didn't do that at all. It was, it was terrible.
0: <laughs> it was. Yeah, it was. right from the gate.
3: Oh yeah, it was terrible. Um Doing that, yeah. going into that situation helped me navigate the shoe later. <sighs> so when I finally got to the shoe. I had already been in you know, solitary situations for years. And so like during the hard wiring of my life and the, my brain and my development, I was spent a lot of time in solitary. And so, you know, like a lot of people, they go to the shoe there and they're, they're well under their adulthood. The first time they go to solitary, that's a big problem. You know, but for me, I had already had coping strategies like my. What is the coping strategy? Well, first of all, I found out that they can't deny you um, religious material. And so as soon as I got there, I'd be like, you got to bring me a Bible. It's my s- constitutional right. Now, I don't know if you ever read the Bible, but that thing's like a horror movie right? from start to finish. Like yeah. God sending bears out to eat like daycare. Like I, I, <laughs> a bear ate a whole daycare, 42 children them like taunting some cat that was dressed all punk rock you know he's walking down the street yeah. with like locusts and shit you yeah. know, necklaces and the yeah. kids were like ha huh, ha huh. and then fucking god was like oh yeah and sent a bear out and ate them all right like, you know like that, that right. kind wait of shit wait
0: a second wait a second wait a second yeah, not slow, the best for your head slow slow, slow no the bible. no i know i know but he's saying this actually helped him survive the thing because oh, yeah. it's like he's watching fucking slasher films in the bible Yep. So, so how did you come? When the
3: Levites, you know, went around the, uh, they marched around the city and they dropped the walls and they went in there and whacked everybody and then, you know, and then God found out somebody had kept a cute one on the <laughs> You're side. Catholic, aren't
2: you? No.
3: <laughs> well, actually, I did run. I, I ran with the with the with the Catholic brothers, and in terms of like the church in there, yeah. The, I, I spent a lot of time with the Catholic brothers.
0: But wait a second. So then, so you went through all the so so Old Testament. You're probably a huge fan.
3: Oh man, I love the yeah, Old Testament so much. Yeah. Right.
0: And how right. about that Song of Solomon or the whatever when he's talking about that chick? You mm-hmm. ever read that? When well, they talking about the the Solomon's girlfriend or whatever, oh, the baby with the tits and all that? No, 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 not the splitting the baby. Oh, yeah. There's like a sex part in the Bible. Solomon and Gomorrah? just the one. No, it's, it's it's a it's a poem where he's talking. About the woman's breast, my dad hit me to it. He's oh, like, yeah. The best part of the Bible is when they're talking about his chick with the titties, <laughs> like, and I is sh- it psalms, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like one of those. Um, do you now do you still all right? Are like so people come to you with Christian uh doctrine or they tell you like what the Bible says, and you're like, No, nah, I was in solitary, I'll tell you what the Bible said.
3: Oh, no, ah. they no, they can sniff, they can sniff me out, right? yeah, they scared you, yeah, they don't, no. they don't even <laughs> test,
2: they don't even throw test. A cu- it's like you, bro, yeah, you just throw a couple nuggets and they're like. They got to get confused and they walk away.
0: You know what? I'm thinking for you, brother, we should make a study Bible called Solitary Study Bible. Mm -hmm. The real good stories in the Bible and have you point out all the horror stories and charge like 40 bucks. What do you think about that?
3: You mean like um, like for like a... Like a, a little or workshop. An audio book. Oh, an, an audio book, oh, okay. man. Oh, okay. Oh, like a like a punk rock reading of like the, Bible. the Bible.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Like
3: if if it's Quentin Tarantino made radio. a made a made a Torah. Right. You,
0: know? you come in and you go. Listen, I know you want to hear about fucking you know two fish being turned into a thousand fish, and yeah, yeah, that's been played out. I want to talk about the bear that killed the kids. I want to talk about the bear that ate people. I want to talk about the Levites. Oh, I'm gonna take you through the scariest bloodiest hardest parts of the Bible and when you're done with this Oh, you're gonna fear God my friend. Oh, you're gonna fear God. <laughs> what do you think about that? That's a good idea. I mean, um, <laughs> it's, it's got some market appeal. I think so Yeah. Um, so alright, so one is you find a religious text that you can really sink your teeth in What's another coping strategy for being in solitaire?
3: Um, being um, being uh noisy in terms of like my needs so like if i need something i don't i don't take no for an answer Mm. you know which which was fine until i got to until i got to big boy solitary and they're like oh you can't you can't be a pest you know you got to be like if the you know if, if i need a you know cookie i didn't get a cookie yeah you know i would make like no you're bringing my cookie or we're going to the dirt like we're gonna have it's going to be a whole day thing. So they just bring you a cookie after the first time because they're like, oh, I'm not giving you a cookie, scumbag. And then, you know, because you want a cookie because it's it's on the menu. Cookies on the menu. I didn't get my cookie. Right. You
0: know? Right. And, and they would rather not deal with a whole day fucking thing and just give you the cookie and be done with just it. Just give me the fucking cookie. But when you went to Big Boy Solitaire, what was the experience where they told you, oh, yeah, that shit don't play here?
3: Well, that's the thing. It's like it's undignified. What do you mean? You know, like being being uh like creating a uh creating first of all, like you're doing all that for a cookie. Come on, why don't you just
2: make sure the respect.
3: Well yeah, why don't you um like you're representing your 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 presence is a representation of other people. And yeah. so you know, making a big deal out of a cookie like there's people who with real problems. Like, you didn't get a cookie, bro. So, you know,
0: so this would be potentially other inmates or whatever that would explain to you like, hey, that's it's not like a guard came in with pepper spray and was like, all right, you want a cookie? Here about this in your eye?
3: Yeah, no, they don't have to explain it. You just it, it's uh, social learning. You it's just ambient. Like you pick up on it right away. Like, oh, this is a different thing.
0: And so. what about? How many times were you in solitary confinement where you were just stuck with your own thoughts and and freaking out or tripping out or whatever? How did you experience that?
3: Oh, That was pretty much all of it, except for like maybe a year and a half. Um, So, yeah. So, like I said, I started out as pretty, um, pretty, I was pretty stoked on life, even though, you know, it wasn't ideal. Right. Um, But. You know, then I got well, when I went to Paso Robles. They had this thing called the Intractable Ward Program, IWP, and so it was like you're not allowed to like we would sign, you know, or like whisper through the crack in the wall and do that communicate with our friends and neighbors and stuff. And like, so if they caught you doing that, communicating at all, that's not how it is in an adult solitary and kid solitary. You can't communicate at all. So mm-hmm. if they catch you. They do uh what, you know they do they put you on ice, so they come take your stuff, you know you're in there with nothing, and so it's it's creates tent it creates anxiety, and you know the thing about the thing about um the thing about the anxiety and the experience of solitary confinement is that it's not this big punch in the face, you know it's it's these little things every day all the time, you know it's like you oh if I get caught, you know. Asking the guy for a, you know, a cup of coffee. He might, you know, send it through the crack or something. Then, like, my life is ruined for the next 16 hours, you know? But mm-hmm. you don't even, it's just all the time. It's all the time. It's all the time. Day in, day out, day in. And then, you, you, know, you, you know, when I got out of prison, people were like, man, you're really well-adjusted for somebody that was in prison for 17 years, you know? Not mm-hmm. knowing my solitary confinement. Um, part of it. Part, and so.
0: Wait, wait, wait. How do you relate their misunderstanding of you're well-adjusted and them not understanding solitary confinement? How did you get from... Because what you're describing to me sounds like a, a very constant anxiety that wears on you over a period of time. And then you come out and people are like, hey, you're well-adjusted. And you're like, yeah, but you don't know the whole story. What What's the missing element? How did you go from being angst-ridden or driven kind of whatever from anxiety to now i'm out and i'm gonna comport myself how, how did you deal with that piece you mean like now what i got out forever forever well like, when people say you're well oh, yeah. adjusted right okay yeah, yeah.
3: so i didn't I, I agreed with him right it was years before i realized so i got out in 2004 i was 31 and um I didn't know. I, I had no idea what was going on with me emotionally and mentally and all that stuff. And then as I started living with people, because I haven't I hadn't lived with people ever once in my whole life. Right. I was 31. It was the first time I ever like hung out with people who weren't like using drugs all the time, violence, all that stuff right. that you know was in my family origin, my neighborhood of origin. And so when I get out and I'm like, I go to recovery. right? Now I'm now in recovery. I'm clean. Okay, cool. Start meeting people who are like you know, um, having different experiences than that. Right. Than that hood experience. And so I started thinking, Oh wow, they don't respond to stimuli the same way I do. Give an example of the difference. Uh, so just, you know, I'll say something about, you know, some kind of, you know, I'll, I'll make a comment on a, on an average, what other people consider a neutral, a neutral, it's hard to come up with an example, but like, um, but, like, just little by little, just, oh, you mean people aren't, like, bent out of shape by that? Like, that's they just go through that stressful situation. Any of one of life's little stressors that, you know, could be a bill. Okay, so there you go. Go right? ahead. So when I got out, I was like, okay, I get a bill. And didn't ever had a bill before. Never had an ID or none of that. Cooked a meal, did a load of laundry, none of that. And so you know um you get a bill and it's like oh i got this bill i don't have the money to pay it oh well you know i'm gonna get a little fee and like my life isn't gonna nothing bad is gonna happen you know or like i went to school like you know oh you got a, you got a an assignment coming up you know and oh it's due on the 15th okay cool and i got to get a good grade so i can keep my life can keep proceeding the way it's supposed to and and then you don't get a good grade. You're surprised because you worked hard or whatever. And it's like, oh, okay, that's not a big deal. Like, this is a long-term thing, paying bills, getting grades. But for me, it wasn't like that. It was like, no, this is, um, it's, it was striking, like, at the core of my survivability. Life and death. Yeah, it was Everything. life and death. Everything's life and death where I'm, like, flooded with, um, like, just coming here, just, just coming to Santa Monica where I don't, where I come like twice a year Yeah, um, was like okay Santa Monica what's in Santa Monica oh, okay there's some you know there's some uh, affluent looking Asians okay that's that's cool you know oh, there's you know and just trying to figure out where I'm at and like who's there's no such thing as neutral stimuli that's the point point. like and then if it's something that's threatening uh, then it's just all the way just, you
0: know what it's interesting what you're saying because I think hmm. what I'm hearing you say is that the stakes for you for what normal people would consider the normal ups and downs of life, but for you, you are experiencing them as life or death, high stakes, and like you're what you're also saying is like, yeah, I can't just go someplace. My mind doesn't operate yet where I go someplace, and I'm not even thinking about who's there, potential enemies, potential All right. allies. What's the mm. best place to park? Right. And so then you talk to other people who may not know your origin story, let's say, and they just see this, you know, you know, nice hair and your fucking collar and they're like laughing with you like, "Ah," but they don't know that inside you're managing all of this. Like, ah, man, they don't they don't they don't know how I think. I, can't really, I can say, yeah, sounds good, buddy, but I can't really tell them because if I actually explain to them what's going on internally, they won't understand
2: that. They'll get scared.
0: The, or they just won't understand it. Or believe me. Or believe. You know what? I go through that. Do you know that I go through that? I know that? you do. I you would you do?
2: imagine you do. Absolutely, I really do. Bro. No. I would imagine that you do, bro. There's half the time- I know you.
0: I'm confused by situations, which it appears to me- that other people have like a manual that they all like learn from, sure. And I'm sitting there wondering which one of these motherfuckers is gonna try to test me, or insult me. And it half half for me. Now I didn't ever went to prison, but I, I, I grew up on a reservation and I had a difficult childhood in certain in certain respects. But for like gr- older adult males, I'm always on guard. Like, how's this guy gonna fuck? Try to fucking push me around, right?
2: Meanwhile, you're on the defensive.
0: Immediately
2: yeah, do you have that still? I do still have that and I've had that and that's part of Having no control as a kid. Yeah, and maybe being bullied when I was little and then like somewhere I take back the control or I gain it and now I Overcompensate in ways. I don't even know right and it comes out in like the defense everything's all cool But should you halfway do something right? I'm like all up on you <laughs> But otherwise I'm nice, cool, nice, easy. Get a lot. Of that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Why am I so like, you know? Like Right. So, yeah, there is. It's a scratch away.
0: Yeah, you know, I find that in my marriage sometimes. There's like a normal but marriage.
2: You would say to me, you would say to me, Lucky, how do you feel like that, bro? Six foot two too. That's true. But none of that you I don't see that. I mean my I don't see that so I don't understand like I don't I don't see what you're You're
0: seeing. like you're like a dog that can't see the outside of how the dog looks. You're dealing just with what your internal experience is going on and it's so natural. You don't even see yourself going into that. Much. Yeah,
2: and not everybody is looking at me through the eyes that you're looking at me through.
0: Well, they should be.
2: Well, well, they motherfuckers should be. Okay, well, so. So anyways, but, yeah.
0: So um. So so Steve. Okay. So that makes sense, right? It's like okay, I've got to quote unquote adjust, but for you, it's got to be um. Part of it's got to be kind of like I would think like, well, I'm gonna fake it till I make it. Until, Because half of it, you don't really experience the relief and all the stuff you're supposed to when you go through these things. But you've come to a place where you intellectually understand, like, okay, that's an inappropriate response to this circumstance. So I know I'm supposed to say this, and I will say that, even though internally I'm trying to manage the stress.
2: <clears throat> uh, you know what? I I, I got to agree with you on some things, and I feel like I want to say this. Like, I've said it before about I've said it before about prison and incarceration and too on the topic of, of, of isolated, but I feel like there's, I don't feel like I know that there's a certain amount of, um, uh, posturing that goes on the moment you enter that world and that kind of posturing tension. When I did a prison term was living like that. Like ever since the day, as soon as the cuffs went on, I'm posturing, and then I remember driving away from the prison, maybe fucking, you know, four or five years later. And as I'm seeing the prison get further and further away from me, I can feel the tension start to, like, ease a little bit out of my, my neck. But for four years, I was in this constant state, whether it be a gunner or another dude or the politics or over. And over time, I mean, that that in itself... Had a tremendous effect on me that I didn't realize till way later on in life. Right, this institutionalizing talk. I was just like, man, I'm fine, bro. And you know, I think that in my late forties and fifties, I started to like acknowledge and see some of the effects of my life where I didn't still to this day. And and bro, I did a fourth of the amount of time you did, a tenth of the amount of isolation time you did, but. I don't know, man, like, do do you, you know, now you sit on, you sit on a different end of it as, as, I mean, what, 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 yeah, man, like sitting on the end of it and you being the guy that went through it, what is that like? Do all of a sudden all sorts of lights start going off as you start to find out and you're like, you're the actual hamster, if you will, that's picking up the book and, and reading your own fucking shit.
3: Yeah, regarding the posturing and and the like you know learning this new information about myself and about the world like I'm a, I'm trained I'm a community mental health social worker. Uh, I just graduated in August and so Congratulations. congratulations. Thanks. Mm-hmm. failed flunked out of that program. Got back in I don't know how but that's right.
0: That's uh, how it's really done. That's how yeah, it's really dude, done. You it more. Right. That's how it's done. You I mean, dude, failure's a part of success. Yeah. Well, for me, what it was, is you know, it was part
3: of that, you know, that new information about, like, how how, um, being kept in a box, kept in a cage as a human being, how that has affected my brain, and then knowing and seeing how it's affecting my daily living and to the point where, like, I would go to my class at the end of my... I had a beef with one of my professors, and so it was a minor thing. It was over a grade, and by the fourth fifth week i would go to class and have my hand on the handle this is I'm, I'm one class short of my master's degree and i'm sweating and i can't open the door and i'm emailing her i can't i can't make it to class today get on my bike ride back down to the little student housing Damn. and dropped out of school two two units short of my master's degree 10 years of school ready to walk away from it all because i couldn't i couldn't do i couldn't do confrontation you know Right, and well, so mm, you mm. know my my training is in advocacy. So mm. if somebody else had that problem, we would go through like if we we're working together as you know making some kind of therapeutic um, a, you know response to that situation. You know we can go and like test it against other situations and kind of figure out cognitively and emotionally what you know what are the precursors what what can you do to you know make it through this everyday life situation that people navigate all the time they uh-huh. don't get along with their bosses they don't get along with their mm-hmm. teachers and for me it destroyed my it destroyed 10 years of, of hoping and planning and working papers hundreds of papers you know hundreds yeah. of books 75 classes you know like I was ready to walk away from it all rather than confront this teacher wow. who I saw at Whole Foods she lives in Brooklyn but she was flying in to do her um her lectures and I saw her at Whole Foods in Berkeley and she walked up and gave me a big hug, I was like, "Just come to my office and we'll talk about it. could not do it. The thought of doing mm-hmm. that was just
0: too
3: it was too terrible you know i just couldn't i couldn't um
0: what was the it. thing blocking you at that time? like I know you're saying confrontation, but what about the confrontation? Uh, I think it was just about like figuring well for you know there's
3: this people like to throw on fear of success, yeah. you know for Losers. Right. So yeah. Yeah, you got a fear of success. You know, I, I didn't realize that going to school all that time was going to contribute to any kind of positive outcome in my life until I got my first job interview a couple of weeks ago. This is 10 years of school. I went and like, I finally got a job interview and I was like, oh, wow.
2: This might lead to something. <laughs> you know. This might really turn into something. Yeah, it might yeah. be
3: wrong. and then and so and then I blew the interview like, you know, they were like, "Hey, what do you, you know?" I was like, "Can we negotiate the salary? It's pretty insulting." And but not in those tr- I said it professionally oh, like God. the salary is exploitative and um I can't live with dignity on $52,000 a year. Yeah. And so um plus I went to school for 10 years and you're offering me 20 something bucks an hour that's also insulting. Right.
0: Um and so yeah. Well wait a second though that yeah. didn't sound like you blew the interview. It sounded mm-hmm. like you explained to them what you need.
3: Yeah, well exactly. I did explain them what they need, but they don't want that. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, but that You blew not- it for them, not for you. Right, that's mm-hmm. not your problem. Right. Yeah,
3: that's, that's their that,
2: problem. Yeah,
3: and I I told them like I'm I've never I've never had a job where the employer wasn't pleased to have me and compensate me, you know? Like, so I anticipate that you're going to give me money to keep me, you know? But also I'm not taking my work home. I told them that because that's also an expectation for social workers is that you take your work home. You do. Mm -hmm. Why
0: don't they pay social workers what they're really worth and how much if you were to engage a social worker and actually create... An army of social workers to take care of society uh, save us all a lot of money in the long run. Why aren't they compensating them?
3: I have this hypothesis, which is an idea you can test. Um, (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, (laughs) Is that the more helpful you the more helpful you are in society, the less money you're going to get? And so, because they consider like the helper thing as part of the pay, right? Because you're doing rewarding work. Right.
0: You're absolutely right. So they're saying to themselves, the added value is that this is fulfilling for the individual so we can pay them less. And Mm. for all the work Mm. that's not fulfilling to somebody, we have to pay them a lot more, which is interesting because if you go in the inverse of your hypothesis, that means all these high paid execs are doing unfulfilling work.
3: Well, like you know, there's the the sociopath as the executive, hundred percent. And so, nothing is fulfilling to sociopaths. So, right,
0: there's they, not only that, but I hit, mean, you know, a lot of these guys. It's kind of a known trope that in their secret or personal lives, they need to be humiliated and and and, and uh, punished by dominatrixes. <laughs> it's, you, you laugh,
2: <laughs> you, I know laugh. that. funny.
3: Yeah, the ones that know, the ones that have the access to that part of themselves, right. right. Yeah. A lot of people don't know that, and so they're just frustrated. Right?
0: Wait, what? So what do yeah, I, That's dope. Bro. What do you mean? Well, Explain that. that. Bre- break that out. I, because I think it's. I think that that's a very.
2: good I actually think there's a third part to that. I think there's the, either you're living it or either you, you know, and you're hiding it, or you don't know and you're just frustrated, and you don't know why you're frustrated. That's that'd be a fucked up place to be. Oh, I guarantee... you. Don't know. But most you're people, frustrated. Most people don't know.
0: Most people don't know. Yeah,
3: because you know you're so like, oh, you're you get you get a partner, you you know you, you have sex family style, you have kids, you know you might you know watch Fifty Shades of Grey or something and mm-hmm. pick up a couple. <laughs> You know, helpful right. hands, but it's right, right, right. You're not you're not like it's not there's no catharsis, there's no You're not like
0: Paul Giamatti in billions where you know exactly Correct. and you've got a code word and you got a friend, and you got it all right, dialed right, in perfectly. Right, right, right. right now right. just real briefly That's, crazy, uh, yeah, that's a that's great, crazy What do you think
3: about that, Joy? Yeah, go ahead, Joy. <laughs> I did, I wanted yeah, to check nice in with segue. your sister. She thinks you're amazing, by the way, like she's all about it. Like she was like, Oh
0: she, might, oh, she I was like, Okay.
3: Uh, Can you no, interpret what, awesome.
0: what he just said, uh, Joy?
3: Yeah.
0: What uh, well, just? Was no, gotcha. no, no. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, Joy, Sorry. what is your first of all? How have you experienced your brother's journey?
1: Mm,
2: that's a good question.
1: Oh wow. Uh, it's hard to hear him say it, talk about it.
0: What makes it difficult?
1: Um. Well. Basically, my brother is more like I see him more like a. A child and a brother my child because my mom bounced on us when we were kids oh
0: man that's mm. tough
1: yeah that's
0: tough. my mom bounced on me yeah. my mom bounced on me since I was about two years old one and a half to two years old and no stepmom until I was 15 and that's a whole other fucked up train wreck go ahead but um so you kind of raised him
1: kind of sort of yeah I, I remember him going back and back and forth to East Lake, and my mom wouldn't go to court so I would go to court and I would see him when the, the cops like beat him, put with the, you know, I would go to his court dates and he would be all black and blue and
2: busted up. Busted I was lippy. Up.
1: And um,
0: how did that make you feel as his sister?
1: Well, anytime anything, anyone just dis- does anything to my family, I want to hurt him. Right. Um, and I would. If I could. Did
2: you see the look in her eyes, Stephen?
1: What yeah. I was here, like, I was like, And she's like, I am just going
2: to stare at the ground here and act <laughs> like I'm not <laughs> here, no. <laughs> but,
0: so, yeah. So, how did you? And then when he went to Youth Authority, YA, all that stuff, did you go and visit him and stuff?
1: I did a few times. I went to see him in Escondido until he escaped from there. How do you? Yeah. yeah. What
3: Good.
0: was that? Did you like, was that like Midnight Run or yep. whatever that was? How did you get out of Escondido, bro?
3: just walked away.
0: What did you do? You put on a wig and a dress and just walk out the front door. Yeah, no, just just jumped the fence and ran down the road. And how long did you get? Waited right at for? the Greyhound
3: station. <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't check the Greyhound station. I was like on the bus. How
0: come they're not here? Like how, it's been like eight hours. How did it? What did it feel? How good does it feel to be on a bus, escapee? Like, did you? I mean, how did that feel? Was that like?
3: Well, I didn't have. Uh, I didn't have. It didn't feel great. Until like I got home, when I got home, I realized I couldn't go home. Right, <laughs> I didn't have. they a follow right, up. A right. So I was just like living on, you know, living with people whoever would let me, you know. How long like, did this go on for? Just, like probably like a few weeks until I got arrested again. Wow, that's a good man, nine, man, man. fugitive, man,
0: uh, fugitive art. another fugitive. I know, I love it. Second. <laughs> just walked away. He just hopped the fence away. Yeah. Okay, so Big Sister Joy. So, uh, all right. So, and then you did he Scared to escondido, And what about in terms of him being in, in solitary confinement and shoe programs, uh, did you see any change in his behavior or at least in his persona to you?
1: Well, his, his stretches were really long. Yeah. And I didn't know. I I mean, I was... My brother's pretty much kept me protected of their just how hard things were um
0: is that hard for you to sort of um endure the idea that your brother was keeping things to protect you even though he was in a hard situation uh
1: it it it's very painful just like i want to protect him of the things i went through when he was in there because the trauma that I experienced or the trauma that he experienced, it's too difficult for either one of us to process.
3: Yeah, yeah it's triggering to hear somebody you love talk about something that's really like, oh,
2: you know, that um, my- hey, you can't control or do anything about. It's right. over, right? Right. Of course,
1: But um, every step of the way, like to, we're there, like for each other, uh-huh. in every way we can, like. That's great. Um, now, you know, we uh, show up for each other on a daily basis, like for our families, you know.
0: Well, let me ask you this. That's right. <clears throat> From my perspective, like, I got a, a sister, Sandy Simmons. If you're listening to this, mm-hmm. Sandy. Uh, Hi, Sandy. Sandy. Right. <laughs> she is my mom's daughter. And we've been not in contact for most of her life since my mom's funeral and then 14 years before that. So I don't really know her. She doesn't really know me. And when I first met up with her about three weeks ago, yeah, I'm like, like, I just, the first thing I said to her is, am I supposed to hug you or what are we supposed to do? And I find myself wanting to be close, but also feeling like I need to protect myself a little bit and her. And I just don't know how to do the dance exactly. So for you guys, I would think, um, you you may have this thing where you're like we're showing up for each other, but we're also still navigating the communication piece. And mm-hmm. no, go ahead, tell me your your, your how you experience this. Do
3: we? Well, yeah. So I, I just moved to LA a couple months ago. I was going to Berkeley and all that, and, mm-hmm. and um, Bruins and Bruins. Yeah. They're kind of like a Bruin. No, Berkeley Bears. It's Bears. Yeah. yeah, Bears. Right um and so it was like we talk on the phone every now and then you know um but over the last i guess last year or two like we really started investing a lot in our relationship carving out time to talk on the phone sometimes lately we've been talking on the phone like five six seven hours a week
0: really yeah did' um, smile when you say that
1: mm-hmm, yeah yeah mm-hmm. is
0: that is that for you um sister joy? is that kind of like a, a dream come true a little bit like finally we're we're connecting
1: there is many many well decades that um my brothers were gone, and um both of them, and my other brother just moved to Nebraska, so it is. You know, and my brother's been up north ever since he got out. Well, he was he ca he was living here when he first got out, and then he moved up north, and then he went back to prison, and then oops, and Sorry. then um. And then he uh, wound up staying up there when he got out permanently, and then he went to school. So, it is a dream come true that he's living down here now.
0: What about the loneliness that you've endured?
1: Um, there was way too much not <laughs> crazy stuff going on in my life to really notice the loneliness. Mm. Um, so, I don't know. I'm used to being alone, so I don't feel lonely, if that makes sense.
0: Man, you sound like old blue eyes.
1: <laughs> uh, I don't really experience loneliness, so, like yeah
2: let me, let me ask you something uh uh just so that I'm clear how many brothers are there
1: well i we used to have three what one of them passed away okay the youngest one passed away to um our, the disease of addiction
2: okay Man. okay I'm sorry to hear that you so you have two younger brothers now after that now. And both, of, uh, along with your other brother, he, he too has been incarcerated. In no, matter- no, no. That okay.
1: was that was a good one.
2: <laughs> okay. All right. That was got the it. good got one. Got
1: it. So. <laughs> the good one. He never got in <laughs> trouble. Yeah. He never went to jail.
2: Okay. Got it. Because I feel, I, because when I hear you talking, I have an older sister. I had an older brother who was, was uh, killed by police a long time ago, but I have an older sister. And she. I, I hear her talking sometimes, and she'll say some things that are maybe reminiscent in the sense that I don't know, you got these older brothers, and it's like, you, as you go through life, and you think, oh, I got my older sister, or your older brother, whatever, and you kind of go through life, and uh, the first time you move, or you need the TV put in, and you call your older brother, a boyfriend said something wrong, the older brother's there, or, you know what I'm saying, like this older... And through my own selfish actions, through my own decisions, you know, I robbed my sister of having her older brothers through her life for a long time. Like, she was so low in it, you know. But in reality, the guy, the brother that was, you know, her little brother that looked out for her wasn't around, you know. And and I know that sometimes in my actions, I'm trying to pay that back to my sister, you know, uh, of the... You know, I robbed my kids of a father, but, you know, and I looked at that and it was like, yeah, I robbed my sister of a brother behind my, and I find that I have a strong desire to spend time and, 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 and get to know her or, you know, get to get back that time. And so doing this as an adult, sometimes is a trip. You're doing things as an adult that you didn't get to do as a, you didn't get to have these experiences together growing up, but you're kind of like bridging it now as yeah. adults. Do you find that to be, you know, yeah. kind of. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Well, I mean, like, just valuing family, like, that's a learned behavior. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, you know, it's like, oh, you, you make it to your 40s, and then all of a sudden you don't need to rage on people or... <laughs> You don't need to you know there's things that start to like settle there's a reason why like oh, the bro. Steve's yeah.
0: looking at me because I Keep still on rage to you. I still yeah, rage probably. on people. Yeah. yeah, he
3: might be fifty for him.
0: Well you don't wanna you don't wanna <laughs> fight the
3: rule and the count of exception, right? <laughs> right? Right, right. So Ah, right.
0: right. oh, listen uh, to this. It's obviously a scholar. He's well like versed that. in the well, in uh, in the arguments.
3: I have an English degree from Berkeley. So, uh, yeah. so do, do I go. I so know. do oh, I, my my friend. friend.
0: I knew there was something good about you. I um, knew I liked you right from the gate. Yeah, I, Absolutely, that's where I brought it up. You ever study with Colleen Lai? Does that ring a bell at all? Mm, Colleen no. Lye? Okay, that's all right. Just one teacher in a big institution. I get a... How do we?
2: I want to <laughs> take this department. conversation. I want to take this conversation to the, the aspect of almost from his professional opinion as a doctor and the effects of.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's a good a question, which body. is from his. His standpoint and what he studied up to this point, then the question would be from your expertise and what you know and experience, because what would you say would be the detrimental impacts or just the impacts of long term solitary confinement on a human? Yeah. So, I mean, like off the gate, we're off
3: the gate, you know, right from the beginning, we are social creatures. Right. And so, you know. You know, you might know, you know, as an average person, you might know 100,000 words, you know, but you only looked eight of them up, you know, but you just know all of this stuff, you know, you know, all of this, you know, how cars work on stuff. Well, when you're in solitary confinement, you don't have you don't have any of that. You don't have any of that stimuli. You don't have any of that connection. You don't have any of that. um, uh, Any of that food. Right, and so yeah. that's the that's yeah. just the very beginning. Like whatever you yeah. went in with, that's what you that's what you're dealing with in terms of, uh, in terms of, um, you know, giving and receiving, you know, energy and connection with other people. Um, and so that's not, that that's from the very beginning. And then what ends up happening is, um, it's very adversarial, right? The human condition is adversarial, and so what do you mean by that? Well. I'm talking to you, right? And so I'm looking at your face, and I know you a little bit, let's say. And I go, okay, that look on your face, that's uh, that means that you're pleased with the words I'm saying. Oh, yeah. And so I want to keep that going because I appreciate you as a person, and I want to be closer. So I'm going to keep doing the things that brings us closer together, you know? And then uh, assuming that there's no untreated mental health or no, like, you know, unresolved or un... You know, you don't have insight into yourself. A lot of people don't have insight into their own motivations and stuff. But, totally, like, Let's say I want to get closer to you, and so I'm going to, like, do things socially to to nurture our relationship. Right. But then, like, you one day I see you, and, like, you normally greet me very warmly, and then one day you don't, yeah. you know? And then I'm going to have to interpret that. To, is this long-term? Is it short-term? Is it personal? Is it, you know, how what's going on with this? And so I might even just check in with you. Hey, I noticed that you're different. You know, oh, yeah, I got a problem. Or no, fuck you. I heard you what you did. Right. right. right?
0: There's none of that going on. Right? Right. There's no added information to at least analyze and interpret. Right. And so if you got a little bit
3: of trauma, if you go into prison, you probably got trauma. you probably seen some violence, probably done some violence, probably anticipated some violence. And then so you're already you're already behind the A-ball regarding uh, regarding like just living in a violent world. And then like here. okay, there's somebody on the tier. You know, it's it's. I'm just gonna have to assume that they have my best interest in heart. I can't read their body language. I can't check in with them. I can't figure out, you know, what's happening. Um, and it's not a big deal. You just you just reason like, oh, that's you know, that's uh, Johnny Boy or whoever. Mm-hmm. Like they're good. They're my people. Like it's cool, but it's all the time. It's a little bit every day. All the time. Mm-hmm. That's the problem, it's like it's not this big punch in the face, like you're not just like, "Oh, I'm solitary, oh, my God, I can't take it. Get me out right. of right It's like grinding away at your you know the way you connect with the world, you know like there's a reason why people would get banished instead of executed. It was worse, right, right so executing right. views right you know it's just gonna create political problems, but oh no we we he's still living, he just. He's just a non-person over in Florence now, instead of you know yeah. in Salerno or whatever,
0: and so you're speaking of ancient Rome.
3: That's interesting. That is interesting. This is all hypothesis. I mean, this is just my experience plus Don't a little bit of clinical right. training. Minimize, you know
0: I'm Don't minimize. Well, it's you're, an idea you can test. So. You know, listen, the issue is, is that as you, as he was talking, we know your situation, uh, Stephen. We know your situation, Big Lux. We kind of know your situation. But as you were talking about this, trying to read and taking what little bit of information you can get from somebody to try to understand what's internally. Because that's a, one of the big problems. You're right. Adversarial or one of the di- issues with being a human being is, is that you don't really know what's in someone else's mind. And part of the social game or relationship is trying to navigate that. And I think of old blue eyes. And I think about, you know, Old Blue Eyes and I have had some hmm. late night heart-to-hearts, you know, hand-holding, talking intimately amongst ourselves. A
2: little incense in the back room.
0: Oh, yeah. Two concrete slabs right next to mm-hmm. each other. And Old Blue Eyes is, 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 is constantly reading, constantly reading the room constantly reading the room
2: people vibes movement
0: all the time and he thinks or at least in the past let's say he's operated that everyone else must also be reading what's going on with him except he doesn't understand that to a certain extent he is like (laughs) a opaque mask you can't understand what's necessarily going on with him and his communication style is such that He's putting out what he thinks is information, and he certainly internally is like, and and, and correct me if I'm wrong, old blood. You can tell oh
2: yeah, me, you go right ahead, go ahead.
0: And there's times where he'll be like, I don't understand what's wrong with Chumahan or or whoever's in my like, who the fuck doesn't know what's going on with me? Should be obvious from the situation, <laughs> right? Have you ever felt that, old blue eyes? I don't know who you're talking about. Dude. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I knew you were say perfect. that. Yeah, yeah. So perfect so answer. so I. Ah, yeah. uh, you're going to end the show now when yeah, we got on you. Yeah. When we got on you, it's, it's the time end of the show. Time is up, dude, it's been an hour. And Mr. What do you what listen, say? Steven with your expertise, when a guy distracts <laughs> and he turns down the show, what, how do you interpret that? And it's a hypothesis we'll test it later. Okay. Go ahead. Uh well,
3: um Uh, You know, where there's smoke, there's fire.
2: (laughs) 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 All right. That was another great answer. Uh,
0: I love that. Um, What's going on with you in the future? What are your plans? um, What do you got going on? Well,
3: I'm looking for work. I'm trying to find work that's not exploitative. Yeah. Because I can't really provide good social work and help people live a full, dignified life if I'm...
2: Living out of your car, denying
3: myself, you know, right. That. So, but I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna find a really cherry spot where I'm gonna get like great support, supervision, and two years from now, I'm gonna get my license to practice social work because it's the LCSW that comes out yep. of the MSW, and then I can. Um, do whatever I, you know, I can do whatever I want.
0: Listen, that let me tell want, you something. Yeah. Law Offices of Ovando Bone would be happy to write your recommendation and or help you meet whoever you right. need to meet, back yeah, you up 100%. Right. 100%. Also, as well,
2: my, my mother was has an MSW and some other stuff and worked in social work in L.A. for a long time and can't anymore because of her. She had a liver transplant, mm-hmm. but I'd totally be down to get your information and put you guys in touch. I'm sure she could help you out. That was really awesome. Thank Schwartz. Yeah. Joy,
0: um... Awesome. Your brother seemed to indicate that there was something starstruck uh, mm. when you come to the show. Can you please explain yep. what was yep. going on there? Did yep. you, you listen the show? Do you listen to the show? Do you, know to show? Oh do you want to go on a date with Big Lux? What's the story?
2: Jesus Christ! <laughs> this is what you
3: is. She's single and she cooks like like the wind?
0: Oh <laughs> yeah!
2: yeah.
0: Wow. Look at Joy. She just punched her yeah. brother. Fire.
1: Joy, do you listen to this show? You guys are my rock stars. This is like re- meeting Rolling Stone right now. Oh! <laughs> yeah. yeah. I send my son your... Because um, my son's native. My, my firstborn.
0: Oh, I love that What yeah. do, what, what kind?
1: Uh, he's what a, tribe? He's a mutt. So was, his dad is like a couple of different natives. Okay. Yeah. So um, I send him your... Inspirational things every morning that you do. You do. Really? <laughs> yeah.
2: All right. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And Look at him, man. He's red like yeah, a he's, he's, tomato right now. Look yeah, at he guy.
1: needs it. He's like Jerry, my oldest Jerry is tomato. out there.
2: He's wow, still okay. out there. All right. We'll yeah. pray for him. Yeah. Thank you. Many
0: yes, blessings, sure. positive energy, joy. It was a joy to have you here on the show. Yeah, you yeah.
2: brought joy in. Anybody yeah, gives absolutely.
0: you a problem, let us know. We'll fucking yeah. smack him in the face. Yeah, you don't have
2: to let your brother know. We'll yeah, let
0: your brother about. go in peace now. <laughs> yeah. He's a he's a man of of scholar.
2: He's yeah, a scholar yes, 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 and a yes,
0: gentleman. Yes. Let us roughnecks take care of things. Can I give a shout out
3: to my uh, son for letting me wear his Cortez?
2: Yeah! yeah. yeah. Present. What's his name?
3: <laughs> his name's Shane. He's uh, He goes to Chatsworth Charter. And he, I'm oh, I remember his oh,
0: yeah. 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 Shane, big shout, big out Shane. shout out to
2: Shane. Thank oh. you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. So, I love it. Uh, you got anything, Schwartz? Yeah, just uh, City of Santa Monica. Family, mother, wife, most importantly. and uh, <laughs> <laughs> Why is that funny, old blue eyes? Well, Why did family,
0: you laugh? Family, mother, wife. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. Hey, man. <laughs> Yeah, I got sure to the cover. All Did bases, you tell your but, mom you're uh, going to tell
0: everybody out there in the world that she had a liver transplant? <laughs> Did you sign HIPAA forms?
2: Yeah. yeah. Okay. I actually have power of attorney. So Do you? I can talk about it. Yeah. All right. All right. Very good. Very good. Okay. Yeah. Anyways, that's it. John. Oh,
0: great. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, Sean at Media for
2: all of your audio needs. All right.
0: And uh, Ovando Bone LLP. I've already said it. You've already read it. <laughs> Hook. Hooking up with anybody who needs help. What's your son's name, Joy? John. Big shout out to John from another Indian brother. Uh that's all I got, Big
2: Steve. What do you got? Is that right? Okay. Yeah. I wanna say thank you for uh Steven and Joy coming yeah, down today. Great that was to hear awesome. from you. Steven, uh we'd love to have you back on, man. Maybe Anytime. dive a little deeper yeah. in, in into that. And uh any way we can help, we support you. Okay, all thanks. Right? Yeah. Um A shout-out to uh, the Soul Assassins Camp, Cookies, Vibes, um, Supermax Hardware, www.supermaxhardware.com. Check us out. Listen to the Hard Luck Show on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And another shout-out to Pico Youth and Family Center. (laughs) And a shout-out to Enzo's Pizzeria, one of our proud sponsors. Lenny. Oh. And PR. And PR. And also... Pulpo beard oil. Pulpo beard oil. Thank yeah. you, Calco.
0: Calco, Marsola. So yes. Get All a right. beard that just looks like the mane of a black stallion.
2: And like he said, adios, amigos.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> right, my mouth. I had pumpkin-flavored Oreos. I'm
0: going to kill you. Here
2: comes October.
0: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward.